rousing start, don't you? Don't you think, Dahlia? It's it's all looking so promising. <laughs> um, I know that you've been traveling all over the world, and uh, thankfully, it's there's been nothing going on, so you've missed very little. Um, all kidding aside, because that's never true. I uh, there is in fact a a plethora of of news a, a super abundance if you will i mean we've got the ongoing revelations of the obvious corruption of fox new uh, uh, fox period um the whole thing with kevin mccarthy handing over sensitive uh 44,000 hours of sensitive video to chief propagandist and anti-american creep tucker fish sticks carlson Walmart caving to pressure of anti-choice misogynists refusing to sell abortion pills, even in some states where abortion is legal. By the way, abortion should be legal any anywhere, yes, but the pill, taking a pill and getting an abortion are two very different things. And by the way, love you, CVS, or anybody who is not uh, Walmart. Why is Christopher Ray still head of the FBI, for example, is another question. Why is Louis Joy still Postmaster General? And on and on and on. And of course, we've got SCOTUS and the precarious future of college debt relief. But on display this week, we had uh, two of the, I guess, the only presidential candidates we, we really need to pay attention to at the moment. One at Selma, celebrating the 58th anniversary. And the other one at CPAC, which... I don't know, Dolly, is it worse than it used to be or is it just more of the same, uh, just a little smaller because the guy who runs it, Matt Schlapp, it, Schlapp is an alleged uh, sexual predator? I, it, it's smaller in every way. Didn't it feel like it felt like the sort of shrunk down, tawdry, super boring, sad cartoon <laughs> version of CPAC, even of last year's CPAC? Like it's not. Yeah, feel... it was like the platonic ideal of awfulness. That yeah, is it's, it's not estimate. feeling like it's got the wind in its sails. It feels like it's the death rattle of something. And yet <laughs> what's so interesting to me, at least, I mean, tell me what you think, is it's the death rattle of something that still has unbelievable force. I mean, you have a bunch of presumably like formidable candidates that are not Donald J. Trump, who are afraid of the CPAC people, who are going to do everything they can, see Kevin McCarthy, to mollify uh, the CPAC MAGA crowd, even though it seems to be kind of cratering in on itself. I was just reading, there's been a couple of really good pieces about CPAC, and just like the CPAC swag as a sort of metaphor for how out of ideas or enthusiasm or energy, it's all just like bad, recycled, thin maganess without any real force. And so I guess the question I would ask you is, what do you do when everyone there is both afraid to piss off the, you know, completely nutter wing of the party and yet they're also desperate to move on, right? I mean, to me, the most interesting thing about CPAC is how sideline election denialism is. Other than, you know, Carrie Lake and Donald Trump, nobody yep. is actually saying 2020 was stolen or the midterms were stolen, but nobody's willing to say they weren't stolen because they need the the stop the steal people. Yeah, I I confess I didn't I didn't watch I watched clips uh because 
we have to do that sort of thing. But I didn't really plug into it uh, because it's grotesque. Um, I found I found the people who chose not to go as just as interesting in some regards as the people who did go. And as for the 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 one big takeaway for me was just it's the same rhetoric but it's worse. It's like on steroids, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we can find it absurd, uh, which in some ways it is that, you know, and, and this isn't an ad hominem attack. It's an observation. We have a man in his late seventies, who's in terrible shape, who doesn't take care of himself. Uh, who doesn't, who looks like an old man who doesn't take care of himself talking about what a warrior he is. So, you know, we go from, I'm your voice in 2016 to I'm your retribution. And I found that a little bit unnerving. Yeah. And I'm your justice too, uh, yeah. uh, which is, you know, a triggering word for those of us who cover the courts, because yeah. if that's anybody's justice, we're in big, big trouble. But I agree. I just think he's diminished in every way. And also, and this goes to your Kevin McCarthy, Tucker Carlson point He's fueling the fire. I mean, he is pouring gasoline on something that has been discredited to the point that, like I said, nobody's taking up the mantle. Nobody is, you know, saying 2020 was stolen. And he's not just saying it, but doubling down on the sort of valence of violence, threat, retribution, payback. Uh, so it's, it's simultaneously, as with all things Donald Trump, Mary, it's, simultaneously like sad and thin and paltry and chilling and consequential, which is how we got January 6th. Yeah. And I, I think what one of the things that's so maddening about this, and yeah, this is essentially what you're saying is <clears throat> that it, it, at this point, it doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what he says. The Republican party is trapped. They've painted themselves into this corner uh, they literally have no options at this point, I think, but to allow this to play out and uh, hope, I guess, that something, there's some roadblock gets thrown in Donald's way because, you know, the reason they can't take anything on in a straightforward way is because they know, and this is why I think Ron DeSantis will not be a candidate uh, this time around. Um, at least if he's smart, they know that to save himself, he'll destroy them. He'll destroy the party. He'll run as a third candidate. <clears throat> he'll render any other Republican uh, running for the nomination um, unusable. That's the wrong word. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, basically render them uh, completely ineffectual, not just in this cycle, but forever. So, so I think, you know, this, this raises the question I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, on the other track, on the, quote, sober, serious track of the Republican Party, we have absolutely horrifying things happening, right? I don't know if folks saw, if you haven't seen the Washington Post piece from today of stuff that teachers cannot teach, including slavery is bad, including like raw, econ uh, not economic, raw policing data about how race uh, shapes policing. And it's just 
sort of profiles and every one of these teachers who has devoted their lives <laughs> to educating young people is like, I'm out, I'm out. I can't have, you know, conversations with one lone parent who wants me to teach that Christopher Columbus like loved the Native Americans as opposed to, you know, was a grotesque predator and violent oppressor and they're out. And I just find myself wondering, you know, as I, I um, spoke at the Tucson book festival. Uh, oh, uh, you were there. I was there. Aww. Were you there? <laughs> no, I wasn't invited. It My was, book came out too long ago. It was very cool. But what was most <clears throat> that high wash to me was hearing from, um, a school teacher in Tucson who was talking about curating her library and what libraries and classrooms are looking like. And I, I, I'll just like reiterate, but like the, the question I'm asking Mary is even if we can stipulate that what happened at CPAC, what Donald Trump is saying in terms of inflaming mobs, what, you know, all of that seems kind of silly and diminishing and cartoonish, but what's happening in the Ron DeSantis lane in terms of, you know, just virulent attract attacks on trans kids and their parents, virulent attacks on, you know, how we educate kids about sex and gender and virulent attacks on the books that we're reading and the attempts, you know, in my lifetime, did I ever really think uh, stuff like this couldn't be taught in the classroom? And so, I don't think it's fair to say either of these things are unserious. They're both deeply serious. And, and I don't have a schema for how to think about, you know, the, the sort of critical race theory and um, xenophobia and terrorizing of children and their families as compared to I am your justice, I am your retribution, you know, the 2020 election was stolen. I don't even know how to think about those two boxes in any categorical way, other than to say they're both really, really chilling in very different ways. Well, I think one leads to the other. I think they're entirely related. I don't yep. think we separate them. And, you know, as for Donald and his, on the face of it, uh, or at least arguably ridiculous rhetoric, doesn't matter what we think. There are millions of people who take it seriously. And there are million, not millions, there are... Uh, you know, probably the entirety of Republican leadership, if it gets, gets that point, will follow his lead or they'll be complicit with their silence and inaction. So, you know, we've got people like Sununu pretending he's different, but saying, of course, I'll vote for Donald if Donald's the nominee. Hi, Norm. Uh, we've got um, Larry Hogan, former governor of Maryland, saying he's not going to run because he doesn't want to participate in this multi-car pileup, which will benefit Donald if he, as if he's some kind of hero. It's like, hey, why don't you get in the fight and represent the other side of the argument? But no, because that will no, undoubtedly harm his political future. Uh, we spent the bulk of last week talking about Florida, uh, and we mostly we spent most of our time focusing on uh, the the racism and the fact that, you know, DeSantis and, and his followers can say all they want that, you know, it's it's the uh, inaccuracies of of black history that they're not teaching. But they're not teaching white history is what is what's going on here. And they're doing it at the expense largely of students of color. And they are purposely trying to create this uh, permanent underclass um, of people who feel that they have no agency. They have no, 
excuse me, they have no autonomy and they have no worth in our society. So uh, I don't see that the things that these things are different. And um, I, I, I think what, one of the things I know they have not, the things I'm about to talk about have nothing to do with each other, but it is a little maddening to see Governor Ron DeSantis turning Florida single-handedly into a closed fascist state while no fucking way DC can have its own autonomy. I mean, you know, but anyway, that's a, that's a different conversation, but, um, watch, uh, yeah. I, I mean, watching these things play out in real time, it, it is, it is a lot to, to wrap our heads around, uh, CPAC and, and the unraveling of democracy in one of the United States. So what, what is your take on, um, some of the more egregious things that have been going on in the last week. And there's so many of them, I know, but uh, again, I I always, I know it's, it's probably boring and repetitive, but I think so many of these things are part of the same larger agenda that, that, uh, you know, I think we need to, to approach them that way. Like a lot of you, I don't always eat as many vegetables and fruits as I should. Uh, even though I know that's probably the best thing you can do to be healthy, to sleep better, to have more energy, and just, you know, have a better sense of well-being in general. Um, there are tons of uh, supplements out there. The problem is that, you know, a lot of doctors uh, claim they're junk science because so many companies come out with products that are just low quality. Uh, you know, they use es- extracts of uh, common produce department fruits and vegetables, and they end up not having a lot of the health benefits that we actually need. In the current environment, however, we need to be more concerned about our health. Uh, we're living in very stressful times, as you may have noticed, and we need to get rid of the junk in our lives whenever we can. That's why I take Field of Greens. It's the whole organic fruit and vegetable. It is not a watered-down supplement, and it's backed by a better health promise. Every ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like hearts, lungs, and kidneys. Others support the immune system, help with blood pressure, metabolism, and even healthy weight loss. Now that I take Field of Greens, I know I'm making an important change in my lifestyle. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier quickly and have much more energy, but your best proof will be at your next checkup when your doctor tells you that whatever you're doing, it's working and that you should keep it up. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Mary. That's promo code Mary at fieldofgreens.com. You can also find the link in my show notes. So I'm a simple, unfrozen caveman lawyer, and I like cliff notes to life. And so I simplify everything. And the grand unifying theory, which connects all these seemingly disparate, uh, chaotic, dangerous uh, assaults on our democracy is fascism. The F word, Mm -hmm. the one word that I've been trying to use for several years. And I have been trying to tell many of my colleagues in the media that the water is warm here. Please come. You can use this word. Uh, It's the word that scholars and historians have been warning about for the past six to seven years. People who are sober historians, specifically of Eastern Europe, 
uh, and Russia, people like Timothy Snyder and others have said that the modern Republican Party, especially under Trump and during Trump's presidency, resembles to them, again, sober scholars of fascism uh, as a nascent fascist movement. And what we're witnessing right now, and it's a culmination of all these things. And, and I agree with you, Mary, it's, it's all connected. We've been trying to say this on your show. The assault on education goes back to post-1953 Brown versus Board of Education, right? That was the start of the culture war, even before uh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, segregation, white power. Attack on medical professionals because they have created CRT now to be this boogeyman where they try to go against black women, black authors, which they're still doing. But they're like, OK, it's not that popular. But you know what we're going to do in Virginia? We're going to say that the liberals and the deep state, another anti-Semitic conspiracy, we'll get to anti-Semitism in a second. Uh, they're not just treat, uh, teaching your kids to hate America and hate white people. They're also making your child gay and making your son into a girl. So they tested that out two years ago. That's the one that stuck, Mary. That's the one that scared enough folks on the fence, enough suburban parents, enough Democrats, enough center left Democrats that they're like, aha, this is our winner. So now you're seeing attack on educators, attack on history, attack on librarians, attack on books, attack on poll workers. The voting rights BS conspiracy that's being exposed in my drag Fox. Right now you're seeing the fascist playbook, whereas Timothy Snyder said uh, post truth is pre fascism. Saw it last night. I think this should be breaking news that Tucker Carlson on his uh, hate show, Fox, it's not news. I refuse to call it a news channel, takes five minutes of 40,000 hours, creates a selective narrative and has now within a day radicalized about a third of America is making them disbelieve their own eyes and their own ears and is now saying, see, January 6th was just a. Uh, a peaceful protest, a vacation. That's what a Republican uh, uh, elected official said as he was cowering, hiding behind the Capitol Police and that they now loathe. And he's saying, see, Josh Hawley didn't run. It was peaceful. And the only violence that happened was against Ashley Babbitt. Even though these violent insurrectionists are so stupid and so helpful that they posted themselves committing crimes, right? And it still doesn't matter, Mary. It still doesn't matter. So what we're witnessing is fascism in real time where Tucker Carlson doing a repeat. And I want to, I just want to connect the dots because I was on CNN warning about this the day after it happened. After the inauguration, Sean Spicer, his first press junket at the White House. Do you know what he used it for, Mary? You all remember? It's a lie. Obama's inauguration <laughs> was not as big as Trump's. And we're like, what? The, what? Is this serious? Is this an SNL sketch? We showed the videos. We showed no, it was group. my grandparents' house on Thanksgiving. As yeah, well. I mean, but look at what they did. And so the connective thread here is fascism. We have yep. to use that word. This is a fascist authoritarian movement. They're going all in right now because they realize they're losing power. They should have had a red wave in the midterms. They didn't. They did not get the red wave. And if New Yorkers didn't, the New York Democrats didn't F it up and there wasn't gerrymandering, Democrats would have kept the house. Uh, the Dominion case has terrified Fox. That should be the big news. How did they just overnight take off the, the attention off the Dominion case with this whopper? And then Donald Trump saying, I'm your retribution. Yeah, it is echoing fascist words of the past. So the question I have for the majority is, why does the majority tolerate, Mary, 
the violence and intimidation and terrorism that is happening from the right against our teachers, our doctors, our poll workers, our law enforcement is under threat. And the reason is, and I know you all think me and Daniel might be a broken record. I'm telling you, I'm a student of history. You can connect the dots. It's the rage of white supremacy. It's the, it's the death march of white supremacy. And they are so terrified now that women, LGBTQ, people of color have some rights that they're going for all the marbles. And the last thing I'll say, as I was in Texas, I was in Houston over the weekend for Mehdi Hassan's book. We were in conversation. 150 people were there. There was an African-American woman. She's a teacher. She raised her hand and said, I just uh, survived a real life drill, shooting drill. And we didn't know if we were going to live or die. And all I was thinking about was how do I protect these 38 kids? This is my life in Texas because of the new law, right? That just, that just passed in Florida. So Texas and Florida now are, uh, this last thing I'll say, DeSantis and Abbott, because they have national ambitions, and you said this before on your show, they're the laboratories of the Orban right-wing experiment. And because they have the power, Mary, if you want to see where the Republican Party is going, look at Florida and Texas. That's what they want to do wholesale across America. The question is, when will the majority step up and say enough is enough? And and, and the reason why I think we're always going to bow down to white rage, because we always do, is we still see Fox, our colleagues still see Fox as a legitimate news source, and they still don't use the appropriate words. So I'm, I don't know, I usually don't get very upset. I, I'm an even-keeled person. But I see all this happening. People are going to die. People are going to die. What do you think is going to happen, folks? Innocent Americans are going to die. And when will we say enough? Sorry about uh, that rant. No, people, people are already dying. Um, trans women of color are four times more likely to be murdered than anybody else. I mean, this, and they are the most vulnerable people in our society. And why, why is the majority okay with this? That is a question we need to ask because as dangerous as our elected Republican officials are, it's the people who continue to put them back into office who are the only ones who can change the core, either that or we get tens of millions more people to vote uh, who don't vote. Um, and, and it is, uh, I think one, one potential reason is that uh, they've been tricked into thinking that the progress that was once made continues to exist. In other words, mm. 1964, 1965, Voting Rights Act, uh, Civil Rights Act, well, good, right? Well, no, because there are no voting rights in this country anymore for people of color. <laughs> you know, I mean, we have the Supreme Court has has undone so much of the progress we've made that it's 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 not true anymore that we've made progress. We are, in fact, going backwards. Right. Um, so I think that's part of it. The other part of it is, as although Democrats are, I guess, getting better at this. They have a long way to go in uh, in learning how to fight. Why mm. is Christopher? I know Jen Rubin has asked this question many times. Why is Christopher Ray still head of the fucking FBI? <laughs> why is Louis DeJoy still Postmaster General? Why do we not fight? Why why are heads of the CIA and the FBI always Republicans? As if mm. you know Democrats can't possibly handle tough jobs like keeping America secure. You know, we just give so much away 
um, before we even get started. Uh, and then, and obviously the Supreme Court is part of that too. So I know Jen, you, you had a thought, you just wrote a great piece about part, uh, part of what we're talking about today. Thank you. Nice to be with everyone. Hi, Dahlia. I don't get to see you very often. Hi. Um, I had a couple thoughts. One is the subject of one piece that I wrote, uh, I guess it was yesterday, the days run together, is the utter collapse of the mainstream media. It's refusal to yeah. see and report what is right before their eyes yep. because they are locked into a false paradigm that... Uh, really disregards um, the fact that uh, not all of these people are playing by the same rules. Not all of these people um, are should be treated like honest uh, members of the political discourse, just like Fox should not be treated like a network. And by the way, Fox would not be nearly as powerful if it were not for mainstream media outlets continuing to amplify and repeat and cite and tweet and run on their front pages, little excerpts of what he's done. So that's part of the reason. I want to also suggest that there's a um, historical linguistic problem with uh, Americans using the word fascism, which, by the way, is entirely appropriate. Um, and I might have trailed you just a little bit in uh, the first out of the box, but I've been using it for a while. Um, and in part because uh, I did a program with Tim Snyder maybe five years ago. And I said, you know, he's, he's right. The difficulty is that because we're so ill-educated in this country, that people don't understand there is a difference between fascism and Nazi Germany. And what they right. say is, oh, these people aren't wearing black uniforms and killing millions of people. Therefore, they can't be fascists. That, of course, is a complete fallacy. Nazism was one brand of fascism, but there have been lots of them, like mm -hmm. Pinochet, like Mussolini, like mm -hmm. Bolsonaro, um, lots of examples. And the definition of fascism does not include, as disturbing as this might be, um, that you have to be committed to genocide. Um, those are two different things. Fascism is the use of um, violence, the use of uh, lies, the use of certain types of political behavior to control not only government, but thought and uh, the population. Now, it does, of course, invariably set upon an external, what they would like to label an external villain, whether it's Jews, whether it's the favorite buzzword of elites who live in cities, um, who celebrate Rosh Hashanah, by the way. Um, you know, these things are all buzzwords, obviously. Um, but it is far and away um, the case that when you get down to the techniques that Donald Trump and his cronies use, whether it's fraudulent media, whether it's the erasure of history, whether, and this is absolutely critical, the destruction of professional norms of conduct um, in lawyers, in doctors, in uh, educators, once you do that and you make these people instruments of the, of the state, you eradicate independent thought, independent checks on democracy, and you create a state that is self-sustaining, run on propaganda, run on fear of violence, among other things. So it's entirely appropriate to use the word fascist. And 
there have been some tentative um, steps. And in fact, the late, great Michael Gerson wrote a piece um, a few months before he died, um, begging us to use the word fascism. But what happens is those of us who are in the reported opinion or pure opinion space use these terms, but the mainstream coverage does not pick it up. I don't think it's a lost cause, however. We were using lie for years before the mainstream media caught on to it. It's yeah. a process of gradual um, education. And it's not that we just say liar, liar, and run around. We right. do reported opinion. We show how they are lying. We document how they are lying. And so I think there is a very, very slow progression that these things do permeate into the professional class. But it sure would help if Democrats used it regularly, politicians use it. And when they do, they are hammered, by the way. Poor Joe Biden, who had the temerity to say that these were, you know, I forget the exact term. Um, semi-fascist. Semi-fascist, that's right. It wasn't neo-fascist. He was half right. What I yes, uh, yes, exactly. Uh, he was hammered, not because he used semi, but because he used fascism. And among those screaming the loudest were, you know, mainstream, you know, center left folks who were just shocked, shocked he would use such terminology. Um, so I think there are historical reasons why we're so afraid of it. And then there are a whole cluster of present barriers to being candid about this. Um, but I don't think we should give up because I think we are making a dent. And um, yeah. listen, it's not easy, by the way, to use the word fascism, even in an opinion column in a mainstream paper. You get a lot of pushback because that's not what they do. That's not how they describe. It's almost impossible to call someone even crazy because that is medicating. That is you know, uh, diagnosing people without a, a license. So there's a big frown that goes on the editor's faces when you do that. Mm -hmm. Even if you're using it in the lay expect, you know, expression. Yeah, crazy is uh, not a diagnostic term. So Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Um, who you're actually welcome. These things. It, it's just, you know, so instead I have to use words that sound kind of cute and funny, like loony. Um, but that detracts from what I'm oh. really trying to say because yeah. <laughs> it minimizes and makes a joke of it. Um, and so I think we got a, a lot of problems um, and a lot of them have to do with the way we confront these things. Um, and just how inept the press is. How yeah. did these Republicans get through an interview saying they want to run for president, but they can't think of a policy difference they have with Donald Trump? And oh, by the way, they can't say that they would not support this guy for president. How can right. a mainstream interviewer just let them kind of go on with that? Where's the follow-up? Where's the press? Where's the, well, how can you support someone who is vowing retribution against his political enemies. So it is because uh, they don't want to have him, you know, right? Because then they might go after them. They might lose the one guy who wants to come on their show and talk to them. Yep, uh, there's this right. fear yeah. of, and they also have this fantasy yeah. in their mind that they have some viewership, some substantial segment of the population that will get mad at them and turn off. Let me tell you, they've already turned off. So you're not offending yeah. anyone. You're just um, misrepresenting the facts to people who are maybe open to reason and to evidence. Yeah. Is inciting a, an insurrection a policy position? I, I'm not so sure. <laughs> um, I kind of see this in, in two ways. Uh, one is, uh, you know, you're absolutely right that 
when the media doesn't use the correct terminology, it does make it harder for the rest of us um, because it puts us on the defensive. I gave a bunch of interviews yesterday uh, for Australian media, and I had this moment where I, I was listening to myself. And if you were, if you didn't have the context right, I sounded like a crazy person talking about fascism in America and, you know, uh, anti-democratic, theocratic apartheid states and whatever. And I mean, it's all, there's, there's, it's all true. I mean, it's either true in practice or it's true aspirationally. And yet I sounded completely mad because mainstream media don't yet support that kind of descript accurate descriptive language, you know, which is just absolutely problematic. Right. Um, and the other thing is uh, Brown Mary just uh, put in the, the private chat uh, that I, I don't remember the guy's name. I, who cares? He's a, he's also a fascist uh, who is a, a fan of genocide. As, as long as you're committing genocide against the right people. And he was ta he ca talked about the uh, eradication of transgenderism, which for those of you playing at home really means the eradication of transgender people. You can't separate the two. It's like the eradication of Judaism. I'm pretty sure if Hitler had said that, we would have known exactly what he meant. Libel. That's exactly Libel. Yeah, But this is the Libel. thing. They, unlike a lot of people on the left, are infinitely wily. What became the topic of conversation? He's suing them because they 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 uh, completely misrepresented what he was saying. You know, so they just do that better. Infinitely wily, these these fascists that were were you know, trying to uh, fight against without the help of uh, the mainstream media, we, which we really need on our side. Uh, Norm, where, anywhere particularly you want to go with this? Because it's, it is yeah. a very complicated uh, conversation to be having. Uh, so first, uh, since you mentioned Australia, I think it's past time to send Rupert Murdoch uh, and Lachlan Murdoch back. Just not when uh, I'm there. Okay, <laughs> can we just wait until I get No, but, uh, you know, if you are uh, actively uh, promoting an insurrection, uh, you're committing traitorous acts, um, your citizenship uh, should be revoked. Uh, but that's another story. Yeah. I, I want to go back to where uh, we started the conversation and make a larger set of points, Mary. Um, at the time of the founding, the Federalists won. It's now clear the Anti-Federalists have won. Yeah. They dominate the Supreme Court. They've basically taken over and they're dismantling federal power. At the same time, uh, the North won the Civil War. The segregationists and uh, pro-slavery people have won. Um, look what's happening. We basically have secession. We have a separate country in the states of the Confederacy, and they are now moving even further to implement the kinds of policies that would make Jefferson Davis happy. In Mississippi, now you have a legislature that's basically trying to take over Jackson, Mississippi, because they don't like what the black mayor and the residents of that city have done. You look at all the places where we started with the laws that are being implemented in Florida, in Texas, in Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, and it's basically the case that the victories that should be there have been eroded and are being taken away. Um, 
And I'm not sure what we can do about that uh, at this point. Um, uh, a second, just to reinforce what Jen said, uh, you know, this has been going on for 20 years that a press corps is utterly blind to the reality of what's happening in the country. And if you think about four years plus of Donald Trump calling them the enemy of the people, again, a phrase that Stalin used to justify murders that Khrushchev, when he took over, banned because he said it went too far and it was inflammatory, and that you have a press corps that did nothing to try to point out where we were headed with this. And now every day I see headlines in the Washington Post and the New York Times. I see the way that candidates are treated, and it's nothing has changed. The Times which I still have great fondness for because it is the paper of record. There are still so many good things is the worst offender here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you see the stories and the headlines and there is no response, when you have a public editor position eliminated because they don't want internal criticism, when you see the reaction to the letter that was written by all of those contributors they don't want anybody to challenge what they're doing, and they refuse to step back and say, hmm, what's going on here? Maybe the threat is greater than we think. And if we don't get that change, then we're headed down an even worse path than we've been on, and that's a bad path. You know, uh, <clears throat> before, when uh, just Dolly and I were, I mentioned um, the egregious uh action that the administration is taking against Washington, D.C. Um, and Nora mentioned Jackson, Mississippi. And, uh, and uh, you know, obviously it, it, it is the uh, what the, the whites in power in Jackson, Mississippi uh, is very reminiscent of a lot of uh, horrific tactics that were employed during Jim Crow. But let's also not forget the water crisis uh, that is less than a year old is uh, still ongoing and uh, was was treated with the kinds of seriousness you would expect from a bunch of unreconstructed racists who don't give a shit about black people. They are allegedly supposed to be representing. And, uh, you know, on top of that, we have um, Walmart making the despicable decision not to sell Walgreens. Uh, Oh, so sorry. Well, I'm not really sorry. Walmart, you suck too. Um, but anyway, yeah, Walgreens. No, Walmart is the, the people who don't pay enough. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're right. The people they, who don't sell uh, legal medication. Yeah. Because Walmart is the company that if if the private owners of it took, uh, you know, made $7 billion a year instead of $8 billion, could give everybody free health care, but they, they don't want to do that. Walgreens uh, is refusing to sell the... I guess it's RU4086, the morning after pill. Uh, even in states where uh, abortion is still legal. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, so we have so much lined up against this, Danielle, uh, because corporate corporations, including corporate media, seem always to bend uh, to pressure from the right. And tie that in to or just add in 
misinformation, disinformation, gerrymandering, voter suppression, voter subversion. And it it does it does seem like there's a pattern here. <laughs> um, Will. I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. Hmm? Uh, I'm going to come to this from an angle of hopefulness. Why? Huh? Hold on to your hat. Wait, I don't have a. I need. I don't have a seatbelt. <laughs> Shit. I know it's crazy. Uh, all right, um, I'm, hold, I'm so, holding on to my chair. Here's here's what I'm going to say. You know, I have been really angry, frustrated, like just having moments where I'm like, why am I getting out of bed in the morning for the last several weeks? Every day is another headline out of Florida, out of Mississippi, out of Tennessee, attacking the LGBTQ community that I'm a part of, but particularly trans people attacking black people, erasure, all of these things. And then I had an epiphany. And my epiphany was this, that the problem that we are being faced with right now is not the rise in power of white supremacy that has always been ever present, right? Because if you ask black and brown people and marginalized people about how they have felt about this country and the ability to pursue opportunities outside of purposeful obstacles that have been put in their way, they would tell you, right, that nothing that is happening and nothing that has ever happened has been a shock to the system for these people that have always had to climb over obstacles that were purposefully put in their place. What we are facing right now is the overwhelming consciousness that a mass amount of people are having at one time. What do I mean by that? I mean that people have gotten too free in the eyes of the conservative white evangelical Christians, that when we are at a time when people, young people feel comfortable in the expression of working outside of a binary, working outside of systemic structures that were put in place for no other reason than for a certain group of people to obtain and hold power, when they start to realize that and question those things and look at this and there's a break, there is a, a breaking open, right? There is always going to be this incredible desire and need to push everything back in and down. And that's where we are. All of this is happening is because people are more conscious, more woke, and don't want to go back to sleep. They've let, they're unplugging themselves from the matrix. And what we're seeing at the state level and at, you know, uh, and at the city level and at the school board level is this desire to put people forcefully back to sleep. We're gonna rip the books off of the shelves. We're going to ban your very existence. We're going to use violent language about eradicating you and then turn around and say, oh no, no, that's not what I said, right? Our job is to tell the people who are conscious, who are awake, who for George, for the murder of George Floyd, for many in this country, for many white people, was their great awakening, right? Now, I would have liked for that to have happened, you know, generations ago, but it happened for them in that moment. And many didn't go back to sleep, regardless of the joke that I make about the, you know, the freedom internship. And then everyone went back to thinking the way that they did, because the reality is they didn't, right? That's why you have these fascists moving and stepping in the way that they are. And so our job is not just to 
critically point out all the ways in which they're trying to destroy our freedom, but to express to everyone who feels more in their skin than they ever have before, right? That they are not alone. Right, that there are more of them than there are of us, and that if we allow the hopeful, the the hopelessness and the despondency to like gather us, then they are going to win, right? But the reality is, is that when I was coming out, there was no drag show, there was no drag story time at the fucking library, there was no GSA, uh, Gay Straight Alliance in schools, there was none of those things, right? So you have to understand how far we have pushed outside of the confines of the norm and why that is so upsetting right to these people and why the pushback is going to be so hard and on our side the pushing forward needs to be even harder yeah i listen i uh like all of you um it's very difficult to deal with this on a daily basis and it can be overwhelming but there is there are plenty of reasons to be hopeful, uh, many of which Danielle just pointed out. Uh, because listen, if if we're hopeless, then why we shouldn't even be having this conversation. Um, but in in identifying all of um, all of those developments uh, that we need to embrace and be proud of and build upon, I think. And Dolly, I I know you you want to. Um, <clears throat> say uh sp speak to what Danielle just said but um i i think on our side one of the biggest problems is we're not hearing the kinds of rhetoric that we hear on on all of our shows and in all of our writings uh coming out of the mouths of our leaders <laughs> uh whereas the most vile rhetoric that that seems to engage uh the base of the Republican party is coming out of the Republican leadership. So. I mean, I, I, I want to, I think I just want to say, first of all, God bless you, Danielle. Cause like when you're optimistic, it just flattens me. I have no where place <laughs> to put it. Um, I, I think I want to say two pieces of the same thing. I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I've been traveling around for the last six or seven weeks. Nobody's being, accepting mildly being put back in a box. Nobody, you know, women are not, uh, when I speak to them, prepared to go back to back alley abortions. Trans people are just not prepared uh, to give away the dignity and, you know, the, 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 the visibility, the, the, the not being erased uh, that they have achieved. And that is so clear to me. But I think that this is the structural problem of minority rule, you know, and, I, and what I said to Mary was that CPAC in some sense is chilling because tiny minorities, the ones who terrorized Kevin McCarthy into conceding to people he knew were bananas, that tiny minorities that scared Tucker Carlson into lying on his show for weeks, uh, and the tiny minorities that support these completely outrageous measures we're seeing around the country are prevailing, right? It's one teacher terrorized, one teacher being terrorized by one parent. And why 
are we in a system in which these tiny minorities are prevailing? And I think you're exactly right descriptively, Danielle. This is a foot race between people who are awake and alive and compassionate and the forces of fascism. I mean, I completely agree. And we're just trying to figure out who is going to win this foot race. The two things that I want to just flick at are that minority and fascism and you know authoritarianism and illiberalism have a real advantage in this foot race, A, because of the structural advantages they were given at the founding, B, because of the vigilantism that Waj and I have been talking about on this show forever. Why are we afraid of tiny minorities? Because they have big guns and they're not afraid to use them. And when Donald Trump uh, you know, uh, tells them that he is their vengeance, he empowers them. And three, and this is really important, so there's sort of structural minority rule, there's like all of the gerrymandering and all of the vote suppression and all the systemic minority rule that, that still prevails in this country. And there's the vigilantism. There is the sense that you are one little person who uh, can do whatever you want because the world uh, it lets you. And so the last thing I want to say on that vigilantism point is I think that creeping into this conversation, and it's a thing that I think some of us missed, you know, we all cite the statistic in all six of the jurisdictions that put abortion on the ballot after Dobbs, whether it was Kansas that did it in the summer or the five jurisdictions, some of them ruby red, where abortion prevails by ballot initiative or referendum. We're now seeing states taking away the power to do things by direct democracy, right? We're seeing yep. state legislatures that are either demanding super majorities or more signatures or saying we can't do anything by ballot referendum. And so I think we have to be so mindful, Danielle, both of the proportionality that you're laying out, which is there's just so many more awake people than there are sort of crazy sociopaths, but the sociopaths have access to levers of power that give them outside, outsize, I think, uh, uh, ability to sort of fix the race. And what scares me is that toxic combination of vigilantism. I can be Kyle Rittenhouse because the world will, will reward it, plus structural attempts to suppress that majority will. I think they're so outpacing us in terms of our being aware of what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And and sociopaths will also remove prosecutors they find problematic, uh, for example. Um, and when doctors and teachers don't have the support of their institutions, then guess what? Doctors won't perform certain procedures that endanger the lives of their patients because the power of the state trumps whatever power they have to live up to their oath if and I and don't get me wrong I don't understand I don't know why the American Medical Association doesn't do something or why teachers unions don't do something maybe it just isn't tenable I have the foggiest idea but what that does is it leaves the individuals hanging and put into position of having to uh sacrifice themselves or save themselves and also at this point sacrifice themselves for what they're never going to be able to teach the bluest eye or um, To Kill a Mockingbird, or whatever the many books that you're not allowed to have on your bookshelf. Uh, Jen, I want to go to you, but first I just want to point out that in the chat, uh, Brown Mary wrote, Black queer woman, Muslim dude, two, Jew two Jewish women, Mary, 
and a norm. A norm. I, I'm not entirely sure how to take that. Yes. We, we're we're our own identities, apparently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just thought it was sort of interesting, um, but that's okay. You be Norm. I'll be Mary. Uh, Jen. <laughs> Two points to follow on uh, Dahlia's uh, great observations. First, um, they are running out of time because yeah. they have a generational and demographic problem. And if you look at the next generation, I say this over and over again, if we can just hold out for about like 10 or 15 years and not let things be completely destroyed, I have huge confidence in the next generation, more diverse, more aware, more globalized, um, less likely to listen to, you know, bullshit, you know, authoritarian voices, um, have a natural um, aversion um, to people who want more guns rather than fewer guns, because these this is the generation that grew up um, with uh, gun drills in schools. So um, I think it there is a foot race, but there's also a foot race generation, generationally and demographically. And the most encouraging sign, and I say this as someone who considers myself deeply Jewish, is that the rise of the nuns um, may solve this. And that is not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. Oh. The people who say they are none of the above <laughs> religiously. Because those yeah. people are the most progressive, the most um, inclusive, the least um, susceptible to this uh, crazy nonsense. And the other point is um, that we can change this institutional problem that Dahlia is talking about. That is why I have been so adamant and we're making some headway on the state bars going after the lawyers who have yes. participated in these cases and done worse, actually participated in uh, January 6th and the rest. And um, taking these people out of the profession is a critical part of this because without lawyers, Trump doesn't get much of anywhere. Without lawyers, he doesn't get to file those 60 cases. He doesn't get to round up phony electors and the rest. So by holding out the prospect that these people will be bounced out of their profession, that makes real progress. Now, I am recovering lawyer, not recovering doctor. So I don't know if the same is true in the doctor business um, or in um, lots of other businesses. But remember when we were talking about fascism, it erodes professional responsibilities. You have to build those professional responsibilities back up and empower independent sources of moral authority in order to combat that. And the other is, we really have to set these Democrats down and say, guys, the system was not intended to operate this. The filibuster is an abuse. Maybe once upon a time, it, in somewhere in the 19th century when it was used for some legitimate purpose, maybe, but it doesn't work that anymore. And just yep. because we have done it for some period of time and done it erratically, by the way, with a whole bunch of exceptions, what is the reconciliation process, but a huge hunking exception to the filibuster. I want another huge hunking exception to the filibuster. It's called when you have to repair the constitution, when you have to yeah. defend constitutional rights. Yeah. So Democrats have to become a lot less 
institutionally tied to those minority levers of power because they're doing themselves and they're doing us in. The president won't even consider expanding the Supreme Court. That is nuts. That's just nuts. There's nothing to the Supreme Court and all the arguments for why you wouldn't support expand it because the other guys will support expand it fine let's yep. have a supreme court of 35 people i don't care they're gonna uh, do it anyway if they would do it anyway if exactly. they needed to um so i think we have to exercise some tough love um with those democrats who defend things like the filibuster like um the size of the supreme court hey if we didn't have reformers we would still have the 17th amendment um you know uh out there on the horizon and we wouldn't have direct election to senators now come to right. think of it maybe that was a bad idea i don't oh. know which way it would be worse <laughs> maybe no one could kind of depends on the state yeah it could be worse I, um i don't know um but if there are these things that we can do so i think um you know um empowering those 20 year olds who are so much braver, so much smarter than we are. When I went out to Wisconsin and I talked to these young women who are at University of Wisconsin and the gal who sits out there with her table on a rural campus of University of Wisconsin and she is the only Planned Parenthood canvasser, that's where we're headed. That's, that's the future. And you gotta raise those people up, buck them up and then- yeah. And and many of those uh, Gen Zers are in the nuns. As a nun myself, I am uh, <laughs> um, who is is a much better Christian, by the way, uh, than than those uh, <laughs> mega church pastors who have a net worth of seven hundred million dollars and forty five million dollar private jets. Um, but anyway, as a nun, yeah. I am also quite heartened by the rise of the nuns. That that it would be a fascinating conversation for another time. Uh, but Norm, both yeah. a, a person and uh, and apparently a category. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know what you uh, what your so, last thoughts are today. Okay, I applaud Jen, but I have to uh, fulfill my role of pouring cold water on much of this. <laughs> um, we are going to have a steeply uphill battle to hold the Senate in November. Um, it's unlikely. Um, if we do, uh, it'll be by one vote. And uh, that one vote is not going to be enough to implement the changes. That's going to be gonna Joe have, Manchin, right? We're still going to have cinema. We're still going to have mansion. Uh, and cinema. I, that, that I disagree with, but no, definitely. she'll still be there and mansion will be there and they're not going to vote for any of the changes we need. And at that, well, maybe we won't have cinema, 2024. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we might not have cinema. I'm worried about a three-way race uh, yeah. where she could prevail. Uh, but even if we don't, uh, the people who are up in 2026, there are more Republicans than Democrats in the Senate. But the Democrats who are up include some, uh, like Chris Coons, who are not going to be willing to make the changes that we need. And we're going to need, frankly, 55 or 56 Democrats in the Senate if we're going to create change in the filibuster, begin yeah. to get some of the things that are necessary, including the dramatically needed changes in the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, what I fear is that I think the odds favor Democrats winning the presidency again. Uh, 
if there's a Republican Senate, that uh, president, whether it's Biden or somebody else, will be hamstrung in terms of executive appointments and judges. Yeah. Uh, they're going to continue to dominate a significant part of the judiciary that will continue to put a crimp in the style of what we need. They, we have a Supreme Court that is going to let state legislatures do redistricting so that Republicans will retain control in states like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and so on. And they are going to let fascist and neo-fascist governors implement even more draconian changes that restrict the freedoms as they uh, say that they're all about freedom. And holding on for 10 years is going to be very hard to do. Yeah. Now, at the same time, I want to mention a number that I say all too frequently. Ten years from now, we're almost there. Seventy percent of Americans will live in 15 states. Thirty percent of Americans will elect 70 senators. They are not representative of the country more broadly. And our challenge to even get a national legislature to do the kinds of things that are needed for repairing the nation will become even more uh, of a challenge. I fear that in the interim, and this will be even more true, if any of the clowns running as Republican nominees for president, and I haven't mentioned the pernicious impact of no labels, potentially having 50 or $100 million, it would not surprise me, to put a, an independent candidate on the ballot all designed to elect a Republican to the presidency. Uh, if they win, you know, if, with, if it's Trump, we have no doubt it's all about retribution. He will put some fascist in, probably Cash Patel as the head of the FBI. Um, and uh, we will see uh, some of us on this program uh, probably in jail before. Oh, I was, I thought you were going to say in a straitjacket. But yeah, uh, no, in, in jail and in solitary, uh, in a gulag, uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't see things getting dramatically better with a Glenn Youngkin, much less no. a Ron DeSantis or a no. Nikki Haley or a Christy Nome or any of them uh, who are going to be running. And they will put us into a situation that will make us like Hungary. That may be the best we can hope for with these people in place. And getting out of that is really difficult to do. So we have to put all of our resources into fulfilling what Jen said, which is just a hold on uh, until reinforcements come. How are you feeling now, Danielle? <laughs> um, well, look, being woke is exhausting. <laughs> I, I, I want to, I was going to, I just want to say, right, like everything, obviously everything that Norma said is, <laughs> uh, is absolutely correct, right? Yes, it is. There's only one thing that was left out of that. I think that we're discounting the will of the majority of people. Now we like to believe that Americans are lazy and will not actually like fight for their rights. And I'm saying that all of the things that you were saying are true and I believe that if we are pushed to that place, Americans will fight back and they will fight for this country. I have said for, for since Donald Trump came down that escalator, that things in this country are going to get bloodier before they get better. 
-hmm. but much in the way that like things need to be burned down to ash before the phoenix can rise that is the place that we are in we are in the burning down part um of the resurrection of whatever this country is going to look like so do i think that all of those things are going to happen absolutely but do i think that they will also in parallel be a revolution both in the streets in the tweets and in every other place that happens as well absolutely i do yeah and listen i think part of it is recognizing that um the structural disadvantages against uh having america be a democracy are enormous and will require not just equal and opposite but much greater and opposite forces to combat those okay so uh you know at, at that point people need to understand that it isn't fair <laughs> and we need to keep fighting and coming out in larger and larger and larger numbers uh, to neutralize uh, what the right's uh, increasing willingness to rig the system even more in its favor, right? Um, it's also important. I mean, one thing we can hope for is that Donald Trump will still be uh, <laughs> picking Senate candidates for the Republican Party. That would be really helpful. But, you know, as as I'm sure you, you would all agree, this is not Donald Trump's party anymore. This party is post him. It feels like it because he's still the head of the party. He's the, the front runner. But um, take him out. And as Norm just said, DeSantis is as bad or worse. Youngkin is as bad or worse. You're going to tell me Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't in charge of uh, House Republicans? She's arguably worse, you know. So um, I think it's just being being realistic and hopeful at the same time, which, you know, is quite quite a balancing act, uh, and I think. to that point, I would say there's a country that is more screwed up than ours but has that same dynamic, and that is Israel. If there's a country that is paralyzed by tiny little parties and by an extreme small faction, super yeah. religious Jews in Israel are still a small faction. Right. It is Israel. And look what has happened. Four weeks, hundreds of thousands of people out in the street, yeah. military saying they may not respond to a call up of reserves if they go forward with this sort of judicial reform. Yeah. So, because I'm a starry-eyed optimist, like my new starry-eyed op optimist twin, Danielle, <laughs> um, I would um, say if you poke the bear and the bear wakes up, um, beware. Because once people are mobilized, once people feel the solidarity of one another and understand that they are on the side of truth, the side of goodness, the side of democracy, it is hard to put them back in their place. Huh? Yeah. And we've got 606 days. I think we need to take this show on the road, all of us to, to collectively, individually get the word out. And you know what? Fuck you, mainstream media. We'll do your job for you. Um, this was phenomenal as always. I appreciate all of you so, so much. Uh, Wajali, Danielle Moody, Dahlia Lithwick, Jen Rubin, Norm Ornstein. Thank you so much, my friends, for being here. Uh, you are amazing to a person. Take care.
Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, of course, to my fellow Nerd Avengers. They never disappoint. I, I hope you enjoyed, if that's even the right word, uh, <laughs> it's very difficult discussion. But, you know, we got some hope there. So let's, let's just keep that in mind. Uh, I just wanted to remind you that we will have our Thursday show at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. My guest this week is Taro from Down Under. Lita Rodriguez, so excited to talk to her one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and uh, I know she's <laughs> appreciating the fact that she is not going to have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning her time to join the show. Uh, we will also be here Friday at noon for the House of Horrors. That's 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And, uh, of course, we will be back next next Tuesday, 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, for the Mary Trump Show with the Nerd Avengers. Uh, and don't forget, we've got uh, short videos dropping on Saturdays. Uh, slight miscommunication last week, so we didn't get one done. But uh, every Saturday and uh, on Wednesdays, on occasion, as warranted, uh, you can check out all of the shows at youtube.com slash Politicon. And while you're there, uh, if you're not watching the episode live, you can leave a comment. You can like the episode. Click on that bell right there to subscribe to Politicon. That just means that you will, one, show your support. And two, be sure to be notified anytime a new video drops. You can listen to all of our shows in podcast form on apple wherever you get your podcasts so what if you do that please leave a five-star review um it helps us tremendously you know we're really 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 trying to grow the show uh i think everybody um our guests nerd avengers they all deserve bigger audiences so let's let's help let's help make that happen and that does it for us today thank you again so much for your support for your comments uh it means a lot to all of us and uh we will see you thursday uh in the meantime please stay safe and be kind <laughs>